1: Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. This is the show where we talk a little bit about yesterday's slate. Maybe talk a little bit about today's slate. Maybe we'll do something slightly different. We'll be talking about a slate, but maybe not today's baseball slate. Uh, and, And I answer your strategy questions on DFS. Anything you want. It's casual Friday, casual Friday. Hit that thumbs up button. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Suki Singh, Frederick Dude, J10, Jesse, SL, Hog Lawrence, Doug Montgomery, Dave Evans, Joe Mack, 0058. Good morning. Hit the thumbs up button. You know what to do. I got my apple juice. Hit the thumbs up button. Thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got NBA Grinders live. Later, MLB Grinders Live. I think, is it NBA like done? Aren't we done after this week? I mean, obviously the playoffs, but are we finally done with uh, creative players starting and people saying that they're going to play and then don't play? That's what I heard yesterday. Some people on the Raptors were supposed to play and then they didn't play and then the Pacers got injured or I don't know. That's I just, I just look at my Twitter stream and see everyone tilting. I haven't played NBA in a month and a half, right? I ain't dealing with it. I'll play baseball, right? Play MLB. Like I did yesterday, uh, did well on Fanduel. I was was close. Ended up coming in eleventh in their big GPP on Fanduel uh, with a weird Tampa Bay slash Cleveland stack. I mean, the basically the story of yesterday was uh, uh, Cincinnati didn't get there, right? Jonathan India got there, but we had Senzel who got injured. Uh, then Mustakis got got taken out of the game. Chi Rodriguez pitched seven innings of like one run baseball, which is what we didn't expect. Uh, Rich Hill apparently just turned into the turned into Cy Young for a game. Uh, the Yankees apparently can't hit curveballs, and Luis Castillo just gets shelled again. Just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Who cares, right? He should be should be the best pitcher on the slate. No, doesn't matter. Now Luis Castillo just shelled completely shelled. Zach Pleszak, uh puts up uh, the lowest amount of points for having like one of the best real life games, right? 19 points, right? He was taking a, a no hitter into the, into the eighth inning, but he, I mean, he only had like one or two strikeouts. So it doesn't get you as many points as you think, but basically if you, if you didn't play, I mean, look, look, look at, look at how much ownership was in duds, 41% Moustakis, 39% Winker, 39% Suarez, 37% Senzel, 30% Castellanos, who got 12, but that's not necessary. 26% Barnhart. If you were over on the Reds yesterday, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, the Colts, yeah, he had plenty. BK Reader had plenty, but a, a, most, most didn't. Ending, not meant much. Whistles go woo, was under. Need lunch money, way under. Neal, eh, about about equal, under and Castellanos because he was expensive. You have to find a way to get different, especially with the pitching yesterday. Pitching, I mean, you could fit in the Reds, right? People played Logan Gilbert. I mean, he got eight points. I mean, he 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 got hit up by the Indians, but he also got five strikeouts. Manaya got crushed by the Red Sox. So, I mean, there weren't that many pitching points to have. Like Trevor Rogers, Tyon got you fifteen. Javier got you eighteen. Please, got you nineteen. Hill, 32, sure. Garrett Richards, apparently, magically has a good game. So it really wasn't made up by the pitchers. I mean, you could have won with any kind, as long as they didn't go negative, right? As long as you didn't have Castillo or Manaya or Faulty or something like that. I mean, you probably could have even won with Logan Gilbert's eight because he was only 4K, maybe. The problem is that you're spending down on Logan Gilbert so you could spend up on bats on the Reds, who didn't get there. It really was Boston. Boston Colorado. If you had a Boston Colorado combination, that's really what got you there. If we take a look at the winning lineup of single bullet, single bullet winning lineup. Boston, 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 Boston. Four man Boston, two Colorado, Jose Ramirez, and Jonathan India. A four, two, one, one, whatever. With Javier and Hill. And there you go. Right? Connor Joe, he had a game. Right, didn't even have Fuentes, and Fuentes had again. Let's take a look at next lineup: Bogarts, Martinez, Rosa. Here's the here's the Rays. Right, didn't even need Colorado. Please, Zach Richards. You got three man. Three, it's a three-three. It's a whole. It's a mess. Let's take a take a Yuda. One, two, three, four, five, five, two, one. So you got Colorado. You got Rosarina and Meadows. Tapia, it's Suarez. Okay, Suarez is zero. He still almost got there with Javier and Plezak with the two chalk pitchers. 1-800-Eddie. Similar. This is a 5-3 Colorado-Boston stack. Bogarts, Chavez. You got Fuentes in there. Daza. This almost got there. Rogers Javier. Not like, not. no Rich Hill, right? Any Rich Hill here? No, no Rich Hill there. Any Rich Hill? Anyone had Hill? on there's Tyon. On DK. I mean, on, 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 on FanDuel, Rich Hill was like 2% owned. So here we go. Here's a Rich Hill, 6%. Single bullet. Mess of a lineup. Just messy. Right? Messy because it's like, what? Well, it's, it's nothing. It's just long. two and two and one and who knows? As long as you got the home runs, right? Bogarts, Martinez, Meadows, Calhoun—most of his infield just didn't didn't get there. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're like, "Well, how do, how do you how do you face Cincinnati? They had a six-plus run total against Chichi Gonzalez. It's also a six-game slate. So look at look look at this ownership. 41, 39, 37, 30, And why are you playing five-man stacks of Cincinnati? I mean you could get different elsewhere but my attitude is like I played on FanDuel. FanDuel was slightly different. But on DraftKings, five man st- I would have just X'd out five man stacks of, of Cincinnati. At this ownership, this is ridiculous. On FanDuel I was under and I was I, I was barely I was barely playing four uh, four man stacks of Cincinnati on FanDuel. So I think the ownership on FanDuel was lower than this. And on FanDuel you could you I I I mean, because DraftKings they priced them down a little too much. Like obviously Winker and Castellanos were pr- appropriately priced on DraftKings, but Moustakis and Suarez and Senzel, and I mean Barnhart, they priced at uh, forty one hundred or something. Okay, but really the these two Mustakas, Suarez and Stenzel that allowed you to just okay, oh I could get Castellanos. I could get. I mean, who are you paying for? Plezak was cheap enough. Like Javier on DraftKings was 10K. Was that needed? No. People took a shot in Castillo. That's 16.8%. You heard me on the Morning Grind podcast. I'm like, if he's going to be 3%, I want a lot of them. But I actually, I, I think I literally said, if he's going to be 16%, he's like, eh, like, eh. Take a shot. Maybe. Efficiently owned. Right, so I think he was. I think he was efficiently owned at sixteen percent. But we see a lot of sharp players that went over, went over, and got crushed. <laughs> Even Colorado, Colorado was owned because they were they're they're in Colorado, right? Let's take a look. Not much Yankees. I think the Yankees came in under owned. I mean, they didn't do anything, but I think they. I mean. Standing under 10% on a six-game slate against a lefty. I had a lot of A's, right? Look at the A's, 6%, 6%. I mean, I had the A's on FanDuel, but they were about that owned on FanDuel. Seth Brown, 4%. Lowry, 4%. Against Garrett Richards, of all the pictures. I mean, the Rays were, look, I mean, look, Rosarina was 2%. Meadows was 3% against Tyon. It's not like, oh, he's an ace or anything. There are ways to get different. I mean, if you just don't jam in and all, the, all the reds, you could find these stacks. I don't know why people get so scared. Oh, but what happens if Cincinnati puts up 14 runs? Well, then you'll lose. You know, is, is, is yesterday the last day ever of DFS? If I don't win today, there could never be any DFS ever. No. So don't play the red X amount. Oh, that's risky. So you lose and you move on to the next day. That was the most legitimate shot you could get at first place. If you wanted to literally X out the reds. Now, what I'm saying is you don't even have to do that. Just don't play them as a stack. Play them as one-offs. Play him as two offs even, in a 5 2 1 or something like that. If you're if you went into yesterday, like I'm building 20 lineups and 10 of them are Cincinnati Five Mans, do you really want to win first place? Yeah, but I'm playing I'm playing a one off of Mark and Like, who cares? They're gonna be tied with so many people with these stacks, and look at this ownership. This is over what we projected. I think it is a little bit over. Wicker wasn't cheap. He's 39% owned. Cassiano was 6K. He's 30% owned. Look at a is 2%, right? We have actual hitters. We're not talking about bad players down here. Right? We're not, we're not talking about playing... You know, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck hit a home run, but I mean, that, that's a big difference. They're not playing Jonathan Oroz or whoever the hell that is, right? For the Red Sox batting ninth. Rosarino, Margot, David Dahl, Kyle Seeger against Pleszak. Meadows, Devers, lefty-lefty, 3%. Brandon Lowe, Garcia. I mean, they, these are real players. Struble Cabrera, 4% brian anderson four percent i mean we're not talking about bad players that look how low owned they are for a six game slate matt chapman's five percent right matt chapman's five percent eugenio suarez is 39 percent and it could happen look what happened yesterday cincinnati <clears throat> sorry i don't pick the right day sometimes people say that to me i do that sometimes but then when I fade them, then they go off. It's like, don't remember those. Who cares? Who cares what happened in the past? <coughs> at this ownership, you should be doing it every time. Yes, and most of the time you'll be wrong and you'll lose and that's it. But when you're right, you have a shat, shot at first. People did look at my FanDuel lineup and you go, Tampa Bay, Cleveland lineup? What made you build that? Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a Cincinnati lineup. That's all I cared about. As long as it wasn't a Cincinnati lineup, but who cares what, what teams I'm meshing together. That lineup had uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, uh, Tampa Bay, and Xander Bogarts as a one-off in the shortstop spot. So yeah, that, that and Javier up top. But it had a Rosarine and Lowe and Meadows, and it had Jose Ramirez, Fran Reyes. I mean, what made you play Fran Reyes? Well, it fits in the lineup, and it's not... It's not the, the thing about those lineups, they're not Cincinnati lineups. That's it. That's what I did yesterday. I, pl- I played every stack on FanDuel other than C- Seattle. I played 100 lineups. Now I played more of Oakland and Houston, a little bit more on Houston and, and a lot more in Miami. We didn't get there. But I played, you know, four or five lineups with Tampa, Cleveland, you know, some of the other teams. But my goal was I like, was I was just under on Cincinnati. And it's a six game slate. And I'm playing a lot of please act, So I'm probably not going to play Seattle and they don't project well anyway. And it's fandal. It's a one pitcher site. So I don't have to roster two pitchers. So there you go. So what do I do? So just give me lineups that don't have the Cincinnati in them. Sometimes that's the strategy. What is everyone else doing? Just make lineups that that they're not. Jesse Atfield. Is there a slate size threshold on DK where you start to consider playing both opposing pitchers? Or is losing the win equity not worth it? You can't. It depends on their price. Jacob DeGrom versus Garrett Cole, and they're both 3,000. Yeah, you play both. I mean... It's more of the price. The chances of them getting a win on most slates is like 40% for either picture anyway. So you combine that together. It's like the negative correlation is like a point, a point and a half. So in the grand scheme of things is not huge, but it's still worth, it's still worth considering. Okay. Let's get back to the questions in the YouTube chat. Uh Let's see, it's people talking about Oakland pitching. Casual Friday question. Do you see Wade Miley getting 12 strikeouts tonight? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Isn't he they pitching? They're pitching in Colorado, right? I barely looked at today's slate, okay? Uh, well, we have, what, Scherzer on the slate. We have we have some, some ace pitchers. Kershaw, Glasnow, I think. Wade Miley getting 12 strikeouts? Probably not j10 if you take yesterday's slate at the context what lineup stack would have made sense in a single entry 700 person contest on dk anything but cincinnati that's the answer anything but cincinnati pick anyone you want i went with oakland i went with houston i mean on Fanduel, oakland houston if you played any and it's a six game slate People people think too hard into this. Every other team on the slate was underowned, every single one of them. Every one of them. Cincinnati was way overowned. So if you played any other team but Cincinnati, you, you, you you were correct based on based on especially this ownership on DK. That's all you could judge it by. You're just judging by the ownership. I take a look at this ownership. I take away pictures. I mean, look at this. This is just insane. One, two, three, four, five, six. 26% and above. So if you made a stack of any of the the combination of these, like, it was like a at least a quarter of the contest on one team. The next looked like to be the Astros. Alvarez, Tucker gregman altuve so houston would have been a little bit below them but everything else is just like dude play any, anyone you want at that point point. and mean, look at this ownership this is ridiculous i don't care what the total was i don't care chichi rodriguez or whoever chichi gonzalez the old golfer chichi rodriguez was pitching i'm just i'm the five-man stack get out of here done Maybe you play a three man, right? You played a contrarian raise stack and you wanted to play three reds with it. Go for it. Have fun. At this ownership on DraftKings, I can't see a five man, any five man stack lineup really to be plus EV. I, I can't. How is that possible? I mean, unless you're really mixing in some really I guess maybe with the three man raise. Right? If you had a Rosarina Meadows, something, did something like that. But, I mean, how do you have that on DraftKings? Because you have to fit two guys in the outfield for the Cincinnati stack. But, obviously, if you use Jonathan India in your stack, okay. Now, they came down a little. Uh, this ownership, I just like, if I if I would have known this, I mean, I didn't play on DraftKings. But, if, they, if this was the ownership on FanDuel, I would have played way less of the, less of the Reds. I did play the Reds, but I was like I was I, more than half the field under at the Reds, and mostly as one, as one-offs and three and you know secondary stacks, not as a four-man. I I I, I wasn't gonna play uh, on FanDuel a a Mustakas Suarez Senzel Castellanos type of lineup. So that's the answer. Sometimes the answer is what not, what you don't do. And if you did anything else other than that, that's fine with me. Michael Dompier, RG estimated Castillo at 8%, I think. I know you don't have the access to the hamster wheel, but thoughts on why it ended up closer to 20%? The bat loved Castillo. Does it have that much pull? Not, well, how about around the industry? It's not just the bat. It's not just a big, You have to understand that roto grinder is just a small part of a much bigger industry. No one places that much pull. We can see here. I mean, I know. I mean, look. We go to pitcher. I mean, some of these guys have their own models. Right? BK Reader. Need lunch money. You, cow. you get 39% Castillo. I mean, they have their own models. And they're getting Castillo. So it's not just, it's not just. You know the plate IQ projections, or the Bat, or some other site, or something. He's sixty two hundred, and he's the. If you took the largest sample size of his career, he's the, the past three years. He's the most talented pitcher on the slate. Going up against the Rockies without Story in their lineup, without Hampson in their lineup. I mean, the Rockies lineup look horrible. Yeah, it's in core, sure, but Castillo was sixty two hundred. So yeah, so people. People jumped on board at 20%. I think that that's like an efficient ownership. If everyone thought he, would, he was going to be 8% though, maybe that's why they jumped on board, right? Sometimes that has an effect on things. Nate Branshaw says, I was playing lots of Cleveland in sing, single entry last night and completely fading the cores. Condensed ownership in those contests creates an easier path to first if cores fails. Thank you. That's exactly the point that I'm making, especially in single entry. Be even more owned, right? In single entry, yesterday I would, I would just, I would have literally x'd out the Reds, just x'd them out completely. Not even as one-offs. Just done, and then build whatever lineup you want. At that point, you, you just, you hope they don't get there, and that's it. If they don't get there, there how many paths are there to win first? Tons. Any of the other teams. I mean, like you're destroying like half the lineups in the contest to some extent. So at that point, like build whatever lineup you want. You have a feeling, you, you know, your nose twitches for the Red Sox. Oh, God, you play them. On these types of slates where there's so much condensed ownership in one team, one game. It really comes down to does that game, does that game get there or does it fail? And I always bet on the fail, right? That's, I always bet on the fail. Jacob Calloway, is whistles goes woo, fully mathematical approach to address the correlation coefficient of every player more correct. Well, he does the same thing as, as anyone else. If, you've heard, if you heard David Bergman, the whistles go woo guy, like, like he, he doesn't make his own projections. He aggregates projections. But he uses an optimization method that I'm assuming takes into account uh, correlation between players. But it's not that much different than you building lineups in an optimizer. I mean, it's 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 not that much different. You're stacking four, you're stacking five. I mean, in baseball, it's not going to it's not going to be much different because it's it's not like bad. It's basketball. It's hard to judge. Baseball, it's like the ball. Obviously, plays from one game and a plays from another game are not correlated at all. Maybe it's more useful for NFL. But yeah, that's one that's one thing that most optimizers do not take into account. The actual the actual correlation, the, the actual the R's of the players between each other that bump up their projection depending on who else is in the lineup. That's one thing that most optimizers do not do yet. And you have to be accurate on that, because I mean you need a large sample size for that stuff also is that the future of dfs it's the current of dfs when we try to stack when we I, i'm going to stack 5x or four three that i mean we're doing that anyway it's just not it's not reflected in the projection when we do so so i don't know if it's any different it's just a little bit more accurate maybe right the card fan says it right here whistles is automating what i do manually right exactly Most of what I do is manual. If you see, if you saw yesterday when I build my lineups, I I don't have, I have no proprietary process of like determining leverage in a lineup like that type. Oh, do you have a number? Do you have a, no, I eyeball it, right? When I'm separating two chalk pitchers, I know I'm reducing ownership. I know that I can play some of this chalk, with some of that chalk and put them all together. Now, can I make, can can I do that in Excel? Can I, can I, if I learn Python, and I start making, you know, simulations and doing all yeah, sure, I'm probably gonna end up about the same. So I'm kinda doing stuff by concept, manually, eyeballing it. Now, someone like Brian Hooper, Brick seventy five, like he's much more exact. But we're essentially doing the same thing. Over a very long sample size, if it was head to head between me and him, he'll probably be he'll beat me. He's more accurate. But my lineups are directionally correct, are directionally in the right direction. Right. It's not about being precise. It's about being directionally correct. So what I do, what I show you is the concepts. You could build this all into a mathematical formula. You could have it all spit out and you could do you could you could automate it to some extent. You could run, you could run background processes, you could do all this type of stuff you want. But of going through all of that and develop it, obviously when you have a process like that, if you're not sure what you're doing, garbage in, garbage out, right? Oh, I'm going to run this all. Oh, it it says this. Well, maybe my whole process is wrong. And how how will I know that? Well, it's going to take me a long sample size to realize that I'm I've been screwing something up in my model, right? Something up in my sims. When I'm eyeballing it, yeah, I'm I'm not, I may not be as as accurate, as precise, but most of the time I take a look. I take a look at the results DB, and I take a line. Take a look at lineups that sharp players are playing, and a lot of times I'm I'm playing similar type of lineups. So directionally, I'm fine. So learning how to do that, use the concepts, and use use just your eyeballs. Once you're good at that, then obviously you can you can you could start automating more right? I mean, me building lineups in 10 minutes didn't just come out of the blue. I've been playing for almost six years now. Woo Woo J Train says, almost rode the Indians and Marlins to victory last night. Completely X'd out cores entirely. Okay. When ownership is that crazy on offense, it's immediate fate to me in single entry GPPs. Yeah, that I, I like I said, I, that's what I would have done. That's exactly what I would have done. Maybe not all cores, the Rockies were, were, thought like they were that owned okay so what what did i want to talk about today what would we have this we just went over this slate i wanted to talk about mma okay we got a baseball game slate coming up later we got grinders live we got all that type of stuff but we got a big uh mma slate so and and i see in in our mma channel i was in there like last last uh i'm i'm in there anyway but i mean when when COVID hit and MMA like UFC was the only thing that was going on it was it was, it was popping in the MMA Discord on Roto Grinders. Uh, so many people were asking stupid questions, just about stacking fights or whatever, or just how to build GPP lineups for like large field contests. And I think this card coming up tomorrow is is a is a beautiful example of. We're gonna see. I'm gonna download CSVs and see tons of lineups that are that are bad. And it's like, how do you, how do you have a bad lineup when there's there's, there's only 24 fighters to choose from? 24. This, wasn't there a fight canceled? Right? Shouldn't they should they be in there? Do we get a new one? Why does it say 26? We don't have 13 fights tomorrow, right? Or did I miscount it? I have no idea. Who am I missing? Soriano Gag- Diago, Okay, t- whatever. Do we have thirteen fights? Two to. T- Who am I missing on my sheet? I don't know. Souza. I got Souza Mooney's. Did something get added? Why does it say twenty six? Or am I? I'm just not counting. Is it say twenty six? Because we have two that are missing, that are unprojected. Okay. Okay. N- now, now I understand it because it's like all twenty six. It was. Bugging the hell out of me. Did we get a new fight? I have no idea. So in MMA, MMA is if you want if you want to dabble and not have to know anything about a sport, like MMA is MMA is is what you play because <laughs> you don't need to know anything. You really don't. You don't. I mean, it'll help a little. But you don't need to know that much. But the key if you're playing large field GPPs is. Like, it's 200000 to first. You want to, you want to be as unique as possible. As People are like, oh, I just want the winning lineup. I don't care if it's split 157 ways. You're going to lose money in the long run that way. Even though, oh, I win once. I got uh, $1,800. Oh, it's better than winning nothing. Yeah, but if we, we played this laid out 10,000 times, you'd be losing money. You'd be losing, losing money. So an MMA, just to show you, just a little little, little primer. We have MMA content. You sign up to Roto-Grinders Premium, hit the link in the description, get ten dollars off your first month for a combo premium. We got Mike, what H three Bluda. Got Sean. They do the projections. They do. They do a podcast. They do the write up. I know uh, Squirrel Patrol does does the, for for the for the pay per views. He does a contrarian take. Pretty much, if you do whatever whatever Squirrel Patrol does, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's not because it's not that hard to, to, to know what, what the contrarian angle is. So the first thing that I do is I, I have an have a I have a Excel spreadsheet. Okay. So this is where I put in the odds. And I got the I got these odds from drafting Sportsbook, which is not the greatest place to get the odds, but whatever. I wanted a retail book, not a not not, not, not pinnacle or anything. Uh, so I put in the odds. And I already have a calculation that it gives me the win probability, right? The implied odds probability, you could just convert it over. The win odds, the inside the distant odds on the fighter, the round one, you know, it finishes within the first round in the fighter. And then I have these leverage calculations with ownership. Now we just got ownership in, I just see right here. So I'm going to put, I'm going to put these in. So like, like Gina Mazzani, like 30%, it's going to give me these scores. 27, 27, 36 for Giagos. Just to show you what this looks like. 42, our current ownership projections. 22, 39, 31, 38, 35, 20, getting this right? Locked is 20, right? Okay, I'm on, I'm on the right. 26, 29, 30. Take a second. 29, 30, 19 for banana. 19, 20, 17, 25, 19, 40. Right, Chandler's going to be 40, 10, 12, 15, 10, and 7. Okay, so there we go for that. Let me bring this back up. Okay. Because really, what I'm judging here, like in a vacuum, uh, he's uh, Lucas Ionesco is asking about the last three columns. How am I? All I'm doing is dividing uh, the whatever the odds are by the ownership. That's all I'm doing. The actual number doesn't matter. It's just the number in relation to one another's, right? So it's it's, it's not a fancy formula or anything. It's the win odds, 67% divided by the ownership, right? 2.22, two, 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 right? That, that's it. Uh, when fighters are, just a g- general note, when fighters are more expensive, they need to score more points. Ah, oh, okay. that I mean, just like any other DFS sport. So most likely fighters that are in the 9,000 and above range have to win fast. They have to score hundred plus fighters in the low range. They don't have to, they could just win their fight, have 70 points and still be in the optimal lineup, the optimal first place lineup. So that's why towards the top, I care more about round one leverage in the middle inside the distance leverage and then on the bottom, just winning. So we could see here with the, like, Cacho I mean, look, she if she's going to be 7% owned and have a 39% chance of winning, based on her odds, like, she's way under-owned. Is she going to score well? That's a different story. So we see here, based on the win odds, these these women's fights are way tilted too too heavily in the favorites direction. So we can see here in with Mazani, Shevchenko, Chakuji Chukajan. 22%, 27%, 30%, especially at these prices, with very poor inside the distance, 515, 325, 650. That's the first thing that stands out to me. Same for Bontherin over here. That's why I make these colors. I just see what stands out. Right, Bonthorin seems like his inside, for his inside the distance line is 27% and he's going to be 12% owned. That seems under-owned. If these, if these ownerships are accurate, obviously I will, I'll update them later. I don't know. These are initial ownership that I see. Right, say like Arago. Right, I mean, it's just, it just seems like seems like these women, these favorite women, are being being overowned, and these are way underowned. Then we take a look here, like inside the distance here on Oliviera. Like on the main event fights, uh, you can't even look at these numbers because the five round fight with all the scoring. So you have to you have to look a little bit differently. You don't care necessarily like inside the distance in five round depends on what round it is how well they score. I mean, they're going to be owned. Olivieri and, and Chandler are going to be owned. But taking a look at this, it's like Ch- 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 Chukagian looks like like awful. Good win odds, right? But I mean, 8,800. Schnell looks awful. He's going to be 42% owned. At 8,900. 42% owned, 14% probability for a first round win. 27% probability of inside the distance. And 61% probability of a win. So that like inside the 8,900, you're going to need to get a finish pretty much, right? Can you score a lot as a wrestler? I don't know. So that's why you look at this. That's why I look, you know, just get a sense of what the slate is. But when building lineups, this is what many people do. Let's 20. A lot of people do 20 maxes. Okay, so we'll do 20. This is what a lot of people do. They'll take the median lineups, the median projections, right? This this is what they'll do. They'll go into build rules. They won't set anything, right? They'll they'll set, uh, it doesn't even matter what it is, right? They'll set it to like 49.5 maybe, right? They'll do that, 49.5. One unique player, so you won't even have much diversification in your lineups. And they'll do something like uh, make sure to have uh, the main event, right? All right, they'll do something like this—a one-one. And I go, "Give me lineups." I get 100% Andrea Lee, right? Because she shouldn't she shouldn't be that price against. It's not. It's, it's not. It's it's not the it's not the it's not the right Shevchenko. This is Antonina Shevchenko, right? So you take a look and they'll get a bunch of these. And, oh, I don't want all this Lee, right? I don't want all this Mazzani, right? I don't want all the women, right? I don't want, I'm a sexist. Not just sexist. A lot of times the women's fights are not as scoring friendly, but they're a little bit more so now. Like uh, Lucas says, women fights, man, but as the new scoring helped their scores, maybe a little bit, depending on how how often they, they get to the ground. But if it's a stand and strike fight with two like not, not the most active, Punchers, like it's just as much as any like a men's fight like that. So, so whatever. But this is what most people will do. They'll just like, well, uh, well what, what guy, what, what play, what, what uh, fighters do I like, right? I want a main event fighter. Uh, they'll go here, you know, they'll, well, I don't want, I don't want that much Andrea Lee. I don't want them, I don't want that much Mizani, right? They'll look something like that. Araujo. Right, they'll they'll run some lineups. We have tons of Shane Burgos now. Right, they'll get lineups like this. Which this isn't even that bad of a lineup. They'll simply build like this. 499, 499, 499, 499. Forty nine night, forty nine eight, forty nine eight, eight. It's quite possible that all of the lineups that are on this screen right now, all of them. Almost um, maybe almost all of them. I will won't have any of them. Like I will literally not not these lineups won't even be in my player. Pool. They won't they won't even be in my set. And I'm building a hundred plus. And we just built twenty and I capped some, you know, whatever. And I don't think any of these lineups I'd play, I, I play. Like, I, I, don't think any, I don't think any of these lineups are playable. I, I don't think, even think they're play. I think they're all negative EB. Okay? But this is what people will do. They will put this in, and they'll make these lineups. The problem comes in is that a lot of the, my, most of, if not all of these lineups will be duplicated at least 20 times. At least twenty times, even with a nine percent fighter, even with the ten percent fighter in here, seven percent fighter, they'll still be duplicated over twenty times. It's two hundred thousand to first. Now these these lineups can't win two hundred thousand dollars. They can't even win a hundred thousand dollars. Can't even win fifty thousand dollars. Okay. You know what I'm looking for? Okay. Especially based on the context of this slate coming up. I think there's a very, very interesting slate. Because that's why I wanted to show you the odd sheet. Okay. Let's go back to the player pool. Let's get rid of some of these settings. Okay. We take a look at the odd sheet. What do we notice? We notice that these favored women are overowned based on these ownerships chikud chukaji and shevchenko mazani they also have poor itd odds in comparison to other fighters in their ranges i mean they're cheaper they're cheaper fighters it's not like they're like mazani is minus 200 shevchenko's minus 129 is 9200 Why are they going to be 27% owned? I'm assuming that, either that's wrong. I don't know. Based on the odds, they're over-owned and they're expensive. So let's say we take out these three favored women. Okay. Let's say we take them out. I'm not saying I would play none of them, but let's just say we take them out. Now we have 9,100, 8,900. Look at how many fighters are in the mid-range. Here. And also, we have fighters that on the bottom have a chance of winning that are under owned. Obviously, these women's fighters, but also like Bontarin. But inside the distance, like pretty good numbers, even like Ferguson at 19% owned, Barbosa is 17% owned. So this. There are so many close fights on this card. I mean, no one... Diagos is minus 225. Minus 225 is just 69%. Right? Most of these fights are 60-40s at best. At best. 60-40s with good inside the distance probabilities. Look at this picket right fight. Even Grundy. I mean, like, mo- a lot of these fights... Could go either way, and the winner puts up a big score. So people are going to be playing nine high eight k nine k guys or girls because it just fits. Who said who said you have to play them at all? Who said you have to play anyone over Oliviera. But if you use an optimizer, if people are going to build lineups, and what's ended, what's going to end up happening? is they're, they're going to put in their last fighter and they're going to they're gonna put in Shane Burgos or something and they're going to realize that, you know, they have 700 left on the table and go, well, why don't I just pay up for whoever, right? They just, that's the natural inclination. But I mean, I'm going to just go into lineup preview. Here's a, here's a valid lineup that doesn't sound nuts, right? Let's say I play Tucker Lutz at eighty three hundred, I play Grundy against Finetta, right? I play Jordan Wright. I play Barbosa against against Burgos. Maybe a little bit chalky, or I could, that could have been Moonies. It could have been whatever. Let's say I play Michael Chandler, and then I play Bonterin against Chanel. Okay. Is that a nutso lineup? Let me tell you. Is that a nutsol lineup? I, I'm playing three underdogs, but they're, they're barely dogs. I mean, they, like they're barely dogs. And I'm playing three. I'm playing no one higher than eighty-three hundred. I'm still playing a guy from the main event. That's not a. That's not a nutso lineup. I'm leaving twenty-eight hundred dollars on the table, and this is not a nutso lineup. This makes. I mean, this makes sense. There's nothing. I'm not going crazy, crazy. But it leaves twenty eight hundred dollars on the table. It spends forty-seven two. How many people are building these lineups? How many people are putting a minimum salary on their on their on their build rules and not getting these lineups? Tons. But on this slate, now for the a lot of slates. These favorites up towards the top are minus three hundred, minus four hundred. I get it. Or you get someone like Barab or something, you get, you know, high, high volume grappling guys towards the top, and I get it. But on this slate specifically, are any Diagos has a good win win odds up here, but it'll be thirty six percent owned in the projected ownership. Oliveira, sure, in the main event favorite. But I mean, you could build so many lineups. I mean, look, the difference between Schnell is minus 159 currently, 8,900. That's 61%. I mean, it's 39% of the time he loses. And he's gonna be 42% owned. Darius against Ferguson, right? He's, he's minus 165. That's still 38% of the time he loses. Souza, like Souza and Burgos are both gonna be 38, 35% owned. Souza's a minus 115 favorite right now. 53%. Yeah, he is a decently decent inside the distance, sure. But should he be 38% don't? Like you could make so many lineups, which just if you take like just cut off right here, where Olivia, even you could play Oliviera, even in this lineup, right? Let's say we do a lineup like this. Let's say we do instead of playing Chandler, we play Oliviera. We play Oliviera. Pickett, Grundy, Barbosa, Moonies, and 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 one of the and then Ara, and there you go, Arajo. Like, look, I'm leaving 2,100 on the table. This is not perfectly valid lineup. Absolutely perfectly valid lineup. That people, th- this could be unique. This could be duped two times, maybe people aren't going to leave 2,000 on the table. People will leave 500 on the table, right? They'll do something like that. Ah, I'm going to get sneaky. I'm going to leave 300, 500. Now on many weeks, on most weeks, leaving 2,000 on the table, you're not going to get this dynamic. You're going to be playing a lot of dogs, like a lot of significant, you know, they only have a 30% chance of winning type of dogs. But on this slide specifically tomorrow, Like, it's quite, I mean, these dogs are barely dogs. I mean, they're they're barely underdogs. Look at all the underdog fighters, which would be 8,100 and below. Minus 106, plus 100, minus 103, plus 114, minus 108, plus 135, plus 110, plus 115, plus 130, plus 176, plus 105, plus 155. These are not... All of these fighters, 51, 50, like they've, the lowest, the lowest, the lowest is 36% chance to win. But look at these ownerships, 7, 10, 15, 12, 10, 19, I mean, 17. And all of them, if they, if some of them, if they win with their inside the distance probability, like they could be a hundred plus points first round type of score or something, but even on a decision that says, you know, 80 points down here could still be a winner. So that's why I wanted to point that out. This is what I mean by, this is the game theory aspect of daily fantasy sports. I didn't talk about like the fight, what's Christos giagos's fighting style. Or I've never heard of these people, most of them, right? Only from playing DFS. That's all I've heard about some of these people. That's, that's about it. But I could see right here, just based just just based on the betting odds, that some of these, some I mean, how is Shevchenko going to be 27% owned? Or Chukagian? Like, she doesn't do anything. 22%, like, I, she's the type of fighter where it's like, if she's 10%, maybe, maybe I'd take a shot. But 22%, I mean, maybe I don't even have her in any lineups at all but that just creates so much opportunity to make these lineups that are right in the mid range because the odds are so close to each other in most of these fights. And people aren't going to people aren't going to realize that and they go, I guess I'm playing Gina Mazzini. Like why? She's 9300. I played slates with her on it. There's, she shouldn't be 9300 on any slate. Or people are going to play Schnell, they're going to play Chanel and Giagos and oliviera and dariush and susan right i mean like it's just it's all this ownership here that's gonna revolve around these fighters and but you could play like so much up the middle leave a thousand on the table be duplicate either be unique or only duplicated under five times which means you, you get it. you have a chance at fifty thousand plus when you split and I think that's the way that game theory perspective, that's what you that's what you do based on these ownerships. You tell me it's different. You tell me some of these, you tell me Mazini or Shevchenko or Chukagian are down to like 10%. Okay, now now, now that middle build is going to be a little bit more, a little bit more, but still most people are not gonna leave. I showed you a lineup that left 2,800 on the table that wasn't nuts. That wasn't like I'm taking I'm taking like six underdogs all the way at the bottom type of thing. That leaves twenty eight hundred on the table. These nine k fighters that may not put up 80 points in a win. They'll have to get first round finishes. Now, if they do, great. Okay, they do. But you can build so many lineups. I mean, look, I could set my build rules. Let's say I set my build rules to 47,500 to 49,000. I'm not saying to constrain it to that much. But if I build 12 lineups like that, I mean, they don't, they're not nuts. It tries to spend, it, but what it's going to continually do is try to spend up for Masany. Right? It's going to try to, it's going to give you all the Andrea Lee because she's underpriced based on the odds. So people are going to get stuck building these types of lineups. And it's like, no, you could go even further down. Do you Do you need Masany? No. Take up, take her out. Mazani. I don't know how to pronounce her name. You start getting lineups where you leave, like you're leaving a thousand on the table and these lineups don't look, they, they, they're they not crazy. I showed you a lineup leaving 2000 on the table that was not crazy. But people don't do it. But people don't want to do this. I'm telling you, that's, you're, you're aiming for first place by yourself. Remember, that's what you're doing. And if a lineup that spends $50,000 wins and is duplicated 27 times, you never were going to screw it. Then you go on to next week. I just wanted to show how to build plus EV lineups for MMA, especially for tomorrow's slate. So if you're playing MMA tomorrow and you're playing the large GPP, the $25, you know, 200,000 to first place, maybe I shouldn't be telling you this because I want to build those types of lineups. That leaving money on the table, a lot of money on the table, absolutely valid is probably the probably probably the highest ev approach you're gonna win less often but when you win you're gonna win first place but by being unique i mean who's leaving that much money on the table but that's the theory of dfs that's what it is that's what i teach here A Little mma on the dfs pregame show so it's not just the mlb dfs pregame show it's the it's whatever so you can pick up the theory of daily fantasy sports how to think like a professional DFS player. 15 hour audio Masterclass. I go over all all the concepts like this are in there. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploit psychology. Pick it up. Theory of DFS.com. It applies to any sport. That's why I talked about MMA. So there you go. This is some MMA stuff. NBA, M L B, it doesn't matter. All these concepts, they, every sport, same thing. That's why you see hey the top DFS players they seem to be good at every sport yeah because they're they're good at game theory they're good at statistics probability and the theory of games decision making so go pick that up theoryofdfs.com and uh just by luck what's going to happen is that all these 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 favored women Mazani and Shevchenko they you know first round knockouts right that's right? First round submissions or something. And then 105 points. I mean, how are they going to score? How really, how is Chukagian going to score over a hundred points in a fight? How is Shevchenko going to score over a hundred points? In, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it happens or maybe this ownership comes down. I was expecting the ownership to be just down and maybe I would take a shot, but now it looks like people are actually playing them. But I think it's primarily because you have the salary people are used to paying up for these, for fighters. So they do it anyway. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We got a baseball slate coming up later tonight. MLB Grinders Live. I don't know. It's probably Dean and someone else. It's probably, I don't know. I didn't look at the schedule. We got Crunch Time Hybrid with Kevin Roth, Andy Means. Someone else for baseball. I don't know. Cheese, maybe. Cards, possibly. I don't know. I should look at the schedule before saying this. But that's for premium members. You can always pick up your premium membership. Click on the link in the description below, get $10 off your first month. You get lineup HP, you get everything, right? I'm in the Discord, right? You could always you could always mention me there. I answer questions there as well. So, uh so that, that's it. That's it for this week, right? Another week, we got ba- basketball's finally finally done. Maybe maybe the baseball, maybe the MLB contest start Maybe they start jacking them up a little bit. Uh, Maybe with the prize pools. Maybe, maybe we'll see. But uh, I'll I'll see you next week because I'm always here. Always here for you guys, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.